slash evening. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China-Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and sadly, I will not be joined by Dr. Nkemjiga Kalu. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duro, seeks to connect development workers to professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. This is part two of a two-part podcast, so the final episode. I'm not even sure why I introduced so much of it. Essentially, we are discussing Chinese corporate social responsibility with Mr. Kenny Dong of the University of Kyoto. He's a master's student there, and he's studying environmental management. Kenny is sharing his research with us, which is really, really valuable if you are interested in knowing some of the good things that Chinese companies are doing in Africa. Since this is part two of a two-part podcast, a more substantive introduction of Kenny and his work can be found in part one. And with that, we're going to dive right in and continue from just where we left off. What you found out from your research with this company in terms of development, in terms of aid, in terms of development finance... What what have your your results been so far? I see. Um, actually, I think for the uh, academic researchers, it's very important to get to know clearly how the Chinese companies get the funds from the Chinese government through the banks. And but I I do have to admit that so far the data is not that transparent. And uh, so they don't just show you a contract the moment you walk up to their compound. Um, no, no, definitely they are not doing that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that would make things a lot easier. Uh, yeah, and because my interview really focused on the environmental aspect, so I, I do have a, a understanding about how the Chinese company is working with the Kenyan government on the um, annual environmental kind of standards. So, because every year, each company in Kenya have to pass an annual uh, kind of audit to make sure that the company is in accord with the um, environmental performance standards. So, but to be honest, I think so far the Chinese companies, because this Chinese company didn't um, pass the public bidding to get this award, award. So there are lots of debate on this, even inside of the uh, cabinet of Kenyan government. So I think yeah, it, I think that it's not that transparent as I uh, expected, and yeah, it, it's a problem. What can a researcher do to follow the money? It, I, what tools do you have at your disposal? In the China-Africa relationship, where, where a lot of it is dominated by media narratives, and, and not just American media narratives, but also Chinese media narratives. Yeah, yeah. So when you hear about this port being announced, well, when does construction start? Who is getting money? When does the first tranche of, of, of the loan come in? And, and what, are the, what are they looking for in terms of the, the interest? And not, I'm not asking you specifically. I'm sort of pointing out to, for our listeners that these things really matter because in, in the China-Africa media narrative, you can say basically anything you want, and it's very hard to verify. To be honest, I, recently I'm also trying to clarify lots of kind of terminologies because if you check the Chinese uh, forecast documents, and to be honest, I think 
for China, it's not mainly the ODA. It's another kind of it's other official flows that comes from Chinese government to Africa. So if you check only on the media coverage, especially in the English versions, you can easily get confused because the about the export credits, how about the credit lines, what is about the preferential loans. So all these kind of terminologies might be mistranslated from Chinese to English. So and lots of media coverage will go on, go on with the wrong the wrong name. So uh, that is why I only focus on the um, Chinese uh, Xinhua or the most uh, official kind of media coverage. And also, I, w I think for me, I also uh, checked the past case studies because the uh, Chinese embassies in Africa, they will, uh, you can find some documents on their website. So this is officially uh, written as a report. For example, what the Chinese government did in this year and uh, about the ODA or about what. So we can check about the past case studies. And for this one, I'm, I mean, for this Lamport one, I'm trying to, but you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. So, so far not very official report has been provided. So I really have to um, look into the former kind of case studies and to kind of to guess what is the flow because even for one big project, the Chinese, comp the Chinese government will divide them into different um, parts of, uh, for the funding. So sometimes maybe this part goes to the China Exim Bank. Sometimes it's, it, goes, it comes from the China Development Bank. And it all goes to different criteria of the official development finance. Some goes to the ODA. Some goes to uh, export credits, some goes to pre preferential loans, some goes to commercial loans. So it can be so different. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that does not sound like it's fun to research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I do, I do think uh, in the article I'm going to share with the listeners, uh, it's written by the Deborah. She shared, uh, I think, two case studies about how the Chinese fund looks like or operates in Africa in one in two case studies, and what which goes to which criteria, uh, criteria and by following which kind of standards. So, um, I think the Chinese ODA or the Chinese official development funds are not that simple as you know as the OECD countries because the OECD countries have very clear standards on ODA, what is ODA, what is grants, what is loans, I mean, but for China, because China is not a member of the OECD countries, so China can have its own system of, I mean, the ODA criteria and also the definitions. So it is, it is, can be very complicated to do research. So uh, about your background being in a Japanese university, Mm -hmm. Can you tell the audience how you ended up there and um, why you're focusing on the environment and, and development? I see. Originally, uh, I mean, after my graduation from my um, bachelor university, and I started working um, for four years. And in my second job, I was working in WWF, the Worldwide Fund for Nature. This is an international NGO. Um, and I was working in the Beijing office. And my, one of my tasks are, um, is to um, help, help, help 
the communication between the China and Africa grain investment. So uh, what I did there, I can do, I mean, there are so many things going, going on. So I, I, can only, I can share with you one thing is I <laughs> helped to build up a website that shows the Chinese and also the Gabonese forestry guidelines or forestry regulations. So because normally the Chinese companies operating in Gabon, they, are, they have no idea what is the Gabon's, uh, Gabonese uh, policy on forestry. So they know something, but they do not know that much about details. So the WW China helped to translate some of the very important Gabonese forestry guidelines to Chinese. And then we, I helped help up to build this website to share the information with the Chinese companies about this information. So since then, I became very interested about China-Africa. And uh, on my way to work uh, on the China-Africa sustainable development, I noticed it is not only China who is playing very uh, active role in the, in the continent. So I came across to know Japan has been very, you know, in the, past, in, in the last century, Japan has, in almost 10 years, Japan ranks the first in the world about, uh, I mean, concerning about the ODA um, donation, uh, ODA to, um, to the, to the, uh, to the, in the world especially in Africa. So Jap Japanese government has been very active to, show, to build up a system to make the corporation very transparent, very uh, in accord with the environmental and the social risks. So, and there are many research, research, research about this environmental study. So that is why I decided to quit my job and then come to uh, Kyoto University to study um, environmental related um, environmental management, and um, also I choose Japan is because Japan has another platform which is similar to FOCAC. That is the TCAD, is Tokyo International um, Conference on African Development. So there are many things going on in Afri in Japan. So I really would like to know how the Japanese people, how the Japanese media, how the Japanese NGO are working on this big platform as well. So that is my way of coming here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and can you define ODA for our audience, please? Okay. There are so many different definitions about ODA. I, the one I found uh, very uh, accurate is the one from the OECD that I personally um, choose in my research. So the ODA concern um, includes, ODA, the, the full name is Official Development Assistance. So it can include grants, which means the government will give the money to the recipient countries for free. And the second kind is the concessional loans. So for this one, the, for example, the donor countries have to give the recipient country some, uh, a certain amount of loan and it was a, um, should be more than 25% of them is for grant. So um, you can choose maybe for Japan, even the, the rate is very high, almost the 80%, percentage are for grant and only 20% is the recipient country ha has to pay back 
to, Jap to Japanese government. And so, there are, so, yeah. so let's say you have a loan for $10 million. Mm -hmm. Eight million will be a grant and two million will be the actual loan? Ah, uh, no, no, no. For example, um, take Japanese government, for example. They can choose, okay, this money is grants. So this money goes to the recipient country for free. We don't ask for them to pay back. And also, they can say, okay, this project, we want this ODA to be concessional loans. But for this concessional loans, um, OECD defines as you have to give the money for free uh, at least over 25% for grant. So which means you can decide, for example, in Japan, they decide to mostly give the recipient country for the concessional loans, 80% are grants. And for the rest 20, so take the 10 billion US dollar, for example, you mentioned. So if the 10 billion dollars are grants, then it's for free. And then if the government decides it's the concessional loans, then which means the recipient country has to pay back a certain percentage back. And then it's the donor country who decide which percentage you have to pay back. But the OECD defines you have to, for the ODA, you have to give for, uh, for grants over 25%. And also besides this grants, concessional loans, the government can also give um, the uh, technical support and uh, these are also regarded as ODA. Normally the interest rate is lower than the commercial rate for this ODA, it has to be. So there's also another standard for this uh, rate. I think for the OECD, they use, I think it, it, it is too technical. They use the uh, London, uh, the labor um, interest and each country can decide their own rate, but it has to be lower than the commercial rate. Or if not, it can be regarded, it can't be regarded as ODA. It's other kinds of facial development finance. That's, that's a really great explanation. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to close off by asking you, is there anything you want to add? Okay. Um, I, I, easily ask, uh, I, I was easily asked by many people about why you're only focusing on Chinese ODA or Chinese official development finance in Africa. Are you not believing the Chinese government or are you attacking the Chinese government? I, I always say it's not a problem it's not the only problem for the Chinese government or for the Chinese company. So, but the only thing I would like to do is to try to explore what is the current situation about the Chinese funding in Africa. And is there any challenges that is for local government, for the local community, for the environment? And if there are some challenges, what can be the solutions? That is the things I'm trying to do. So I'm not pointing a fingers to the Chinese ODA. I'm not saying it's the only problem for the Chinese um, company, for the Chinese government. So I would like, what I would like to do is trying to clarify what is going on, what are the problems, what can be done to make things better. So that is what I'm trying to do. That is so wonderful to hear. Yeah. And I think it's a really good defense of, of some of these issues. And, and, you know, I'm an American and man, oh man, the U.S. does not doesn't always do the best stuff in Africa either, and and yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and these sorts of these sorts of issues I think are are, are critically important to, to 
to examine how all sorts of countries interact with yeah. uh, with the African continent. All right, we are about done, but before we sign off, could you give a recommendation for our listeners, please? Uh, yes. Actually, while doing my research, I found, especially in the English papers, um, uh, and also the media coverage, it can be easily confused about the, what is the Chinese ODA, what is the development aid, like what I explained to um, earlier. So I do recommend a paper written by Deborah Brunt-Gam. So uh, this paper is downloadable from internet, and it's one of the chapters from a book. The chapter's name is Chinese Development Aid in Africa, What, Where, Why, and How Much. So in this paper, um, the author described the ODA, the Chinese ODA very clearly. So I highly recommend this paper for the audience. That is about it for today's episode. We'd like to thank Kenny Dong for recording with us. We would also like to thank African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. Yes, we have new people we're working with. We are also teaming up with WTND Community Radio for Macomb, Illinois, to share our podcast. We'd also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care. Take care.